Welcome, everybody, to the Apex Sunday podcast. We're hosted by two petrol heads, myself, John Dowsett, and Rob Ross. And this is the podcast that banters and rambles on about Formula One races, news, and events. John, in MotoGP, the riders are often saving crashes because they crash a lot more in motorcycle racing than car racing because they can go back to the pits, get another motorcycle and all that kind of thing, right? But it's very popular for the, the saves that some of the riders do. Like you said, how could they possibly save that crash? And I noticed that at Silverstone, there are some nice saves. I mean, this circuit really pushes them to the edge, especially on the throttle, it seems. We saw a lot of drivers spinning off or almost spinning off max during qualifying, you know, that kind of thing. Do you think this course is like a power course, basically? Like if the throttle is the key to a great lap on this circuit more than others? Could be. I think that the event of the people going off and the people pushing it over the limit, right. one is the sprint race. Mm-hmm. That, uh, there's no pitting. The second one is I think they're very comfortable with the track and therefore they, they can go to the the edge. Right. Because we saw Verstappen and Leclerc in qualifying just do really nice saves out of the last corner before the, the finish straight. Yes, and, and when Hamilton passed Leclerc, man, like mm-hmm. I can't believe how responsive that car is when he when he went off the track and came back on. Oh yeah. And I think maybe that's part of it. If they're able to go off the track and bring it back on because that's the design of the track, then they're comfortable driving at the ragged edge. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. They're going to take the risk to do the throttle a little bit earlier, and if it works out, it's great. Maybe, because there was a lot more of that. Look at Vettel, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was, I. It's just I'm not used to seeing the F1 cars wiggle around this much, but it was nice to see that during this race. It was. All right, let's talk about qualifying. Right away, because of the change in format, it's not qualifying for the race we're talking about. It's qualifying for the sprint race, which is in itself a race for qualifying for the real race. (laughs) Yes. So that was interesting. But as I just mentioned, in Q1, Verstappen and Leclerc had really great saves. Um, Stroll just making it in, not having found a setup. And that's the interesting thing about this new format for this weekend is they only had one practice session before they had to go into qualifying. So if you don't find your setup, you may be in a lot of trouble. So Stroll just made it in, made it out of Q1 into Q2. But, you know, he might not have struggled on a regular weekend. And again, Russell right through to Q2 again. That was cool. And in Q2, Leclerc and Perez, they both said they needed a slipstream to better qualify. That's been an ongoing topic of how to best qualify. And it's interesting that the car has to be three or four seconds ahead of them for the slipstream. So it would be, you know, we can't see air, obviously, but it would be fascinating to see the wake, like the, the depth of the wake and the, the width of it and how far it goes to all these cars. I just thought it was like the slipstream is very powerful, but I guess maybe they have to be behind a certain amount and then catch up to them at the right point to get the advantage of the slipstream because it's all in the straights. There's also is, it has to be in the straights, and if they're too close, I guess it affects them on the corner, the front end washes out. Yeah, yeah. I know when I ride my bicycle, mm-hmm. and a transport truck goes by, yes. that effect lasts a long time. Right. It's not just the, the instant 
rush of wind as it goes by that it lasts for a while mm -hmm. maybe it's stopping and the it, wind as well i i don't i don't really know it or it's creating dead air right more than more than actually sucking you along yeah and all the the wake that it creates and then all the cars going through it creating more wake is just the chaos of, of airflow so that's probably why they've went back to ground effects for next year so that you know we can go Underneath the car, there's a lot less disruption and so forth, so that's cool. But in Q2, Stroll, Giovinazzi, Raikkonen, Gasly, Alonso, and Ocon did not make it into Q3. Ocon had a new chassis, so we had to see how that helped him this weekend. Russell again makes it into Q3, which is outstanding. And we saw Ricardo get into Q3 again, which he hasn't been in since Baku, so he's slowly improving, but he's not up to Lando's uh, speed yet. I won't say level because he probably is a similar level, but he just doesn't have the speed at the moment. And then Q3 again, Russell was outstanding. No toe and he finishes eight. To me, that just means Mercedes have got to sign him because Lewis isn't going to be around forever. Russell's the future for Mercedes, or at least one of the rides there. And Hamilton had a nice save in Q3 on his last lap. Didn't cost him pole position. Q3, we had Russell doing outstanding again. So again, I think Mercedes have to sign him. Lewis is not going to last forever. I can't see them losing him because other teams are expressing interest, including Red Bull. I don't know how serious that is, but it's there. Hamilton had a nice save and he lost time on his last lap, but it didn't cost him pole position. What did you think of qualifying overall? It was, a, it was great qualifying. I agree entirely with you about Russell. Russell was the star for me. Mm -hmm. It's nice to see Danny yes. actually do some some work and and yep. I think he's getting comfortable with the car. Yeah, I think that Mercedes. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's now rumors going about Bottas going rally driving. Yeah, I've heard that. I mean, he is Finnish, so <laughs> they they have a thing for snow in that country, just like we do. So <laughs> right. So what's next? But I don't think he's long for this world. Mm. I don't think that Perez is going to be in the seat next year either. But who knows? Who right. knows? Anything can happen. Right. All right. So should we move on to the sprint race qualifying or qualifying sprint race or whatever you want to call it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. The story for me of the sprint race was Fernando Alonso. And frankly, all weekend I was thanking the racing gods for Fernando Alonso being back in F1. <laughs> he's just such a great racer. He's just, he's just spectacular. And I wish he was in, for instance, Red Bull or Mercedes because, my God, what racing would we see then, right? Like, it would be spectacular. I really liked how Alonso made it through the field. And we had Crofty freaking out. On the last, oh, sorry, on the first lap over Perez passing Ricardo when he didn't. <laughs> and so that was another poor Murray Walker <laughs> imitation. <laughs> For some reason, when Murray got it wrong, it was charming. But I know Crofty is screaming his guts out. And it just like, it reminded me of our, uh, our terrible commentator here in Canada, Brian Williams. I don't know if you remember him <laughs> from CBC. He would come in and do the F1 races. He'd know nothing about F1. They have a rear wing on the back of the car, which creates yeah. downforce to push it onto yeah. the pavement. <laughs> yes. And John DeLacy, John DeLacy, oh my God, he's, he's going for a pass. Is it, uh, no, he is not going for a pass, you know. So there's no excuse for Crofty, though, because he's not a temporary thing. I mean, given we all make mistakes like that, but yes. I just, it really annoyed me. He was just screaming it out. I don't mind the mistakes. I get a giggle out of the mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but the screaming, I, I have to turn off the volume because I can't, I can't cope with it. And they're screaming about things to the point where they're screaming about things. And it was almost comical because at the beginning when he was screaming and there was nothing to scream about, he was screaming about things that didn't have anything to do with screaming. Yeah, exactly. And I'm seriously considering watching the races without commentary and seeing how lost I am or how not lost I am, because I did find it particularly annoying this, this entire weekend, Crofty in particular. We also saw Perez spin at Beckett's, which again is back to our earlier conversation about pushing the limit and the throttle being a, a key element to this circuit. And you know, even after Alonso fell back, like he made up six spots at the beginning. He fell back towards the end because he had the soft tire. But he races very cleanly. People are saying he was weaving, but he was far ahead. I think he was just trying to break the toe at that point. You know, he wasn't weaving in the braking area or anything like that. And it was a shame that Russell technically finished in the points in a regular race, but in this race, he didn't score any points. It's a crime that they penalized Russell. Oh, yeah. I think it's a crime that they penalized Russell, and it might be a little bit of washover from the last race, mm -hmm. that they're comfortable in, in giving penalties the way they're giving penalties. Yeah, well, we'll get to that when we talk about the race, obviously. Perez going off, you can't do that. But it harkens to a sprint race, a real sprint race. Right. Which is, there's no pit stops. Yeah, it's all out, right? It's all out from the start. And the only person that nailed that whole race was Fernando. Mm -hmm. Alonso, just that start was epic. That I haven't seen anything like that in a very, very long time. And you see that in sports cars. You don't see it so much in Formula One. He, he did a really great job. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was just, just delightful to see that kind of racing. No surprises, Fernando Alonso. And at the end, we saw the return of the wreath. Uh, I thought that them carting around the three drivers in that truck with Jensen Button, I wonder to myself, well, if they're supposed to be going green, this is a perfect example for an electric truck to do that <laughs> at the circuit. It can parade all the races there, that kind of thing. But it just kind of looked odd, this big transport truck driving four people around a circuit. But I like seeing the wreath. The wreath was great. Anything else about the sprint race? The only other thing about the sprint race, again, at the end, when they were on that transport truck when watching them wobble all over the place mm. had me giggling a little bit yeah no i thought it was pretty hilarious <laughs> all right so let's move on to the race before we talk about the racing incident it was a very good battle at the start for half a lap <laughs> Yes, it was. I was really enjoying that. And then we had the incident, which I've used the word incident, and it's not a coincidence because I believe it was an incident. I'm reminded of Scully, the pilot who landed that plane into the... Into the Hudson River. Hudson River. And when they took him to task for his decisions, he rightfully pointed out, I'm not a computer. I'm not, I'm a human. I need three seconds, five seconds, whatever, to make a certain decision. And once they took all that into account, they said he did everything, he, he did the best job he could, and he saved all those lives. But at the beginning, they were kind of implying that he did not do the best job he did because their analysis was all based on, well, this is a situation, therefore you do this, as if you know, you're not surrounded by a whole bunch of variables and you have to make a decision. So yeah, Lewis was a bit wider, but he was also pushed towards the edge, and Max was pushing back and forth. They both were. To me, it was a an incident. What is your opinion of that accident? 
same opinion as the previous race where people got ridiculous penalties. I don't think that there should have been a penalty. I think they were racing. Yeah. What came out of it for me was just the political mm-hmm. humor that came out of Red Bull. Yes. And Helmut Marko saying that he should be having a race suspension. Yeah. Which just furthers his reputation as a complete wingnut. Yes. It's no secret I have no fondness for Red Bull's ownership and management of their F1 team. When they were complaining about the Renault engine and saying, oh, no one's going to give us an engine and so forth, maybe we'll pull out of F1 and all that, I thought that style was just terrible for the employees. Like, if you're a Red Bull employee and your bosses are saying, well, we're going to pull out and all this, I mean, what does that do to your workforce and everything? Or perhaps they know that they're just being like that, but... Now, you have to realize that if you look at that video footage over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, Mm -hmm. you'll see that the front end of Lewis's car was washing out. Yeah, he he understeered. He did understeer off of his line, but at the same time, there's no movement on his steering wheel. Mm -hmm. He was trying to stay, leave as much room as he could. Yeah. There you go. It's racing. And that's the kind of racing we want to see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if that's the standard, if the standard is we have to penalize this, then why wasn't Perez penalized for the Kimi incident? You know, like, it makes no sense. Or why wasn't Lewis penalized for the Leclerc incident as well, which happened on the same corner? Right. Yeah, it's, well, Leclerc went a bit wide and sort of washed himself out. But yeah, it's... The standards are just... He did that because he he didn't have his elbows out like Max did. Right. He could have stayed in like Max did. Right. And and the result is they both survived. They both survived. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Christian Horner going... He's still going on about, oh, we're going to maybe consider asking the FIA to penalize Lewis further and all this nonsense. It's just, I really have no patience for that kind of nonsense anymore. I don't know if I ever did, but it kind of grates me more now than it ever did in the past. And I know people have sort of soured on the sport because the politics got to them. Well, not only that, but if it's going to affect the racing, I mean, we watch it for the racing. Yes. And we have a problem with, with a lot of Americans not watching Yes. because there isn't any wheel-to-wheel action where they're bashing into each other. Mm-hmm. There can be wheel-to-wheel that makes it exciting when they pass each other. And there's more of it this year than there has been in a long time. Yes. Because the field has bunched up nicely. Mm-hmm. All of the midfield are so close in performance that they're all together. And really, you don't know who's going to be, what is it, probably 5th or 6th down to 12th. You know, Are you say it's up to 12th? Well, yeah. sure. I mean, you, you know you know that Mazza, Mazza Penn and, and Mick Schumacher are going to be off the back and down a lap or two from everybody else. Yeah, this race, it was up to 11th, and then the 12th was lapped. But yeah, the 11, 10, close, 9 and 8 are close, and 7, and then there's a big gap to 6, and 6 and 5 are close. Alpha Tori is also going to be off the back. But the rest of the teams, really, they can be anywhere. Mm-hmm. Alpine, Aston Martin, Alpha Tori... And now Williams, except for Latifi, who seems to be a perennial backmarker. Yeah. And Ferrari. I don't know what Ferrari did. Ferrari did something. They, they must have had some major upgrade because what they were able to pull out in the way of performance at this race was stunning. Yep. Yes, it was. Yeah, I didn't expect Leclerc to stay ahead of Hamilton for so long, but he did. So that was a nice aspect of the race, even though it was brought on by a ridiculous penalty. It was shocking. We were watching the race, and, and you just know that you know, within two or three laps, Hamilton's going to be blowing by him, and he didn't. Now, was do you think that Hamilton was managing his tires? I don't know. 
because by the end of the race, it cranked it up and was able to reel him in in a heartbeat. And is that tire management? I don't know. It's hard to say. We saw Vettel spin like Perez, almost at the same spot. A lot more spins and wiggling this race. Some long stops, though. Norris had a long stop. Alonso had a long stop. Sainz had a long stop. And they're blaming it on the heat. But I, I don't know. I haven't really heard any reports afterwards about what the causes of those were. I've never heard of that before. Other than maybe the pit crew is overheated and not quite with it. It's not like the old days when they had shorts on and all that, right? <laughs> so... <laughs> Well, I think about it. Look at what they're wearing. You know, they're, they're wearing helmets. They're wearing full fire equipment. Man, that's not right. It's not like we're in a car. Oh, I know. No. I liked how Mercedes just came out and said, team order to Bottas. Don't pretend it's something else. It's a team order. And it made perfect sense because Valtteri is not in the championship hunt. And Lewis just drove away from him. Yes, he did. Yeah. Sunoda beat Gasly for a change. He doesn't have any consistency yet as a rookie, but he's got some speed. We've seen some beat from him at times, so hopefully that continues to develop. For the driver of the race, I'm going to say an honorable mention goes to Alonso because the race itself, he was great in, the, in that race. But as you were just mentioning with Leclerc, Leclerc holding off Hamilton for that long and doing what he did, I thought he deserved driver of the race. What about you? For the first time ever, I can't believe I'm doing this, but my driver of the race was Lewis. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He stayed calm. He stayed cool. True. He, I've never heard him listen to his engineer the way he did at this race. Right, right. Yeah, he's always pushing them, right? And actually call him by his name, was very calm, and right. just put everything in Bono's seat. Bono said, do this, do that. Anytime he got wound up, Bono would say something, no, no, you'll catch him, and it would calm him right down again. Mm-hmm. I think it's a new Lewis Hamilton this year. Right. What he was able to do and pull it out, 10-second right. penalty, had to fight blistered tires right. at the end of the race, still kept on it, and managed to win the race. Very, very good race. And I think that champions like Lewis or race winners and so forth that are successful for years on years, they do adapt relatively quickly to new situations, so this new battle with Max and so forth. So he's probably doing everything he can to win the championship this year because that's what he wants to do and that's what he's used to so good for him how would you rate the race before we do that mm -hmm. my loser of the race is perez oh you have a loser of the race okay <laughs> absolutely there are things that happen such as sebastian vettel getting on the loud pedal too early in a corner and spinning and destroying his race mm. and that's one thing yeah but to be in a red bull and finish where perez finished 16th. there's just no excuse from the sprint race to the Grand Prix. Actually, they just call it the sprint, don't they? They don't call it the sprint race. They just call it the sprint. Yes. But from the sprint to the race, both of them, he was just an abomination. And that's why you think he won't last long at Red Bull because... I don't know. I mean, maybe he's being, maybe he's being frazzed. Right. Well, part of that was they did sacrifice his points finish by having come into the pit so he could get the fastest lap and take it from Lewis. So... In that regard, he's doing exactly what they wanted to when he was in that situation. So he wasn't, he would have finished in the points, maybe ninth or 10th, something like that. But they had him pit to get that fastest lap. So he should have been first. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's true. If Max is out, you should expect Checo to be there, right? Same with Mercedes. If Lewis is out, they want Bottas there. And that wasn't the case. No. Other than that, how would I rate the race? I'd rate the race. A 12 out of 10. I absolutely adored it. I adored, I adored the sprint. The sprint, my God, I could just watch sprints. You know, 
there, there's none of this nonsense about undercut. There's none of this nonsense about Norris having a long stop and having his chances destroyed because he was in the pits for six seconds instead of everybody else being in for two or three. Forget all that stuff and just let the boys race. You know, my God, it was just so wonderful and almost disappointing then to watch the race after. Yeah, that's true. The coverage was pretty good of the race, other than Crofty screaming all the time, but I did drift off a couple times very briefly <laughs> when there wasn't anything going on. I do have to say, against the coverage of the race, what is wrong with F1 TV? They got a contract with Sky for their broadcast, but there's so many times when we hear voices talking about replays and so forth, and we see nothing. And they're explaining the, the, the replay that they're showing that we don't get to see at, at F1 TV. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. So is there some sort of weird rights issue here? But they should have worked that out if they got the feed from Sky, and we should be seeing the entire coverage. So I found that very annoying as well. But back to rating the race, I'm going to give it a 7, because I am the type that those penalties to Russell and particularly to Lewis, I, I don't like this at all. I don't, like, I don't want them to go in this direction. And we've gotten two races in a row where they've done what I consider questionable. I looked at what the racers, the drivers had said, and most of them either, few of them like science was sort of, I can't, you know, he kind of stayed away from making a statement. Mark. Alonso, it's an incident. Alonso said it was an incident. I totally agree with Alonzo on that. It's racing. Yes, yes. And you have to let them race, for God's mm -hmm. sakes. And Christian Horner coming out. Since when, is, as Rick Kreuzberg suggested in the chat, you know, since when does Horner decide where you can pass and where you can't pass? Yeah, him going on and on about stuff. It's just, it just reminded me again of when Max went wide and got penalized because he went completely off track at Coda a few years ago. And they mentioned, well, that corner has to be like that because of the motorcycle racing. And so Horner's like, get rid of the motorcycle racing. So what's he going to say? Get rid of the sports car racing at this track. Like the track doesn't exist just for F1. There's races there all year long. So he has to, that kind of attitude just disturbs me. It's like, yeah, I know you're in F1. It's the premier open wheel category. I'll give you that. Sure. But you don't have to be a about it. We don't have to listen to him either. I don't want to listen to that kind of nonsense. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think he was probably behind the second call. There was a second call from the Red Bull pit to the head steward about what had happened and how horrible the event was. Mm -hmm. It's not their role. I don't even want to hear that nonsense. Just leave it in the background and let him be a whiny little schoolgirl. That's fine. Mm -hmm. If it had been Max that had come from behind and passed Lewis on the outside, yeah. not only would he be applauding Max, but the whole world would be applauding Max if you were able to pass on the outside around a corner. Uh, Jacques Villeneuve was famous for it. Mm -hmm. Senna was famous for it. Yep. There are a few other drivers that have been famous for passing where you just don't pass mm -hmm. and pulling it off. And why do you not pass there? You don't pass there because the odds of you being able to take that line through the corner is impossible yes well it's not impossible but it's risky the risk factor just like we talked about in the last race going on the outside you're putting yourself in a vulnerable position oh well no now it's the other guy has to move over for him or something like it's just ridiculous the highlight of all of that for me is one pablo montoya racing indy car going over the corkscrew at laguna seca and basically getting airborne and going off the track and passing on the inside and as Ron Fellows said, it's the corner after the corkscrew that's the hardest. 
and somehow he pulled it off. Everybody just thought he was a god for being able to do that. Hey, good for him. Yeah, and that corkscrew is also famous for two MotoGP passes, at, like offline through the corkscrew. Valentino Rossi did it to Casey Stoner, and then Mark Marquez did it to Valentino Rossi a few years later. And yeah, they're very spectacular passes. So that's what we want to see. And if they don't work out, it didn't work out, right? If it didn't work out, it didn't work out. Right. The hilarity of it is the corkscrew is such a spectacular visual thing for spectators. I wanted to race it so badly. And when I talked to Ron Fellows, he burst out laughing and said, it's one of the easiest corners in the world to drive. It's the corner after it that's tough. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan of that circuit in general, actually, but that's another topic. Right. But to your point about listening to the team managers and so forth during the race, usually when Crofty and Martin are speaking to them, I usually turn the audio off. I, I just can't stand hearing from them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So I, maybe out the next race, I'll watch without any commentary whatsoever. And if I need it, then I'll watch it again with the commentary. Speaking of that, however, when the drivers are talking, I am very, very impressed with Max. Mm -hmm. Max is very cognizant of the fact, and he is very genuine in complimenting mm -hmm. the team and complimenting all the people that put it together and complimenting all the people that make the car what it is for him. Because really, all he is is a, is a servo in a remote control car mm -hmm. yes he he knows how to do it but without the rest of the team he's just a pilot right well that's the thing the champions and the winners understand that it's not just them they they, they need their team to pull off what they do and their team needs them to pull off what they do right like that's why mercedes needs to sign russell because he can pull off things i think that Terry just can't and he can obviously set up a car Oh my God, can he set up a car? Mm -hmm. If he's able to do that and look where Latifi is, they really need to be getting Latifi to, to copy his setup. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a different enough driving style that he can't use Russell's setup, but yeah, yeah. Hey, maybe he needs to be schooled a little bit. Yeah, and he's a great qualifier, Russell, and that counts for a lot in F1, at least currently, because you start up the front, you have a massive advantage. We'll see how the, the new rules go next year about qualifying. Now, in regards to news, mm -hmm. what did you think of the, the 2022 mock-up car that the FIA put together? Two things. First, I didn't like the paint scheme, and the I thought that was pretty terrible. The shape of the car, I'm okay with it. I've seen cars that I've really hated when I first seen them, and then I've seen them in person or something, and it's like, oh, that's a really nice-looking car, right? So I'm just going to give it some time. I'm happy they're doing it. I'm happy that they're trying to push mostly a lot of the downforce underneath the car so that they can race closer and so forth. We have the talent in F1 in terms of the drivers, so many good drivers right now that can race each other well. So I'm very hopeful about it. And I also found it extremely amusing that they had their drivers around the car and all the drivers but the Aston Martin drivers had their, brought their helmets with them. And I'm like, why do you have your helmets with, them, with you? You're just there talking about the car. <laughs> but I imagine it's sort of like a branding thing. They're so used to, I got to have my helmet with me and all that kind of thing. What did you think of it? I thought it was kind of spacey. Yeah. Maybe a little bit indie carish looking. Mm -hmm. um, I've heard people say, I, I don't think it will be a representation of what the car will look like, to be honest. Yeah, that's what I heard too. They said that that's sort of the FIA's design and Rob Smedley had a big part in that. But the teams are free to make their cars within the new rules and they'll probably look you know, somewhat different. 
that's when we'll really see the new cars when all the teams launch them. If I could get rid of one thing, I'd get rid of DRS. Yeah, well, that's again because of the, the sort of terrible downforce situation we're in now with following, right? They need the DRS to allow you to come up and follow even when they, they get an advantage with the tow. It's just still not enough. They need DRS. Anything else in news or are we done? I think we're done. Unless you have anything else. All right, John. Well, that's it for this podcast and we'll see you at the Hungarian Grand Prix virtually, of course. <laughs> Talk to you then. Bye. Cheers, Rob.